It's your Friday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for another show. Cold one out there, as I've been saying every single day, I feel like, for the last week at least. It's not been nice outside, but hopefully you're able to stay inside, cozy up, listen to a podcast or two or three. If you've missed one during the week, of course, you can go back. No laws governing that you can't go back and listen to past episodes. So luckily for you, you can do that. Hope everyone's going to have a good Holiday as well. Programming note: If you hadn't, uh, if I hadn't mentioned it before, no shows next week. Taking a little time off between uh, between Christmas and New Year's to uh, to recharge, hang out, um, get to you know just get a little downtime before we uh, we get back um, in 2023 uh, with Royce probably on January 2nd. I guess that would be coming off the Vikings Packers game. So that'll be a good time to get back, and then we'll be jumping right back into uh, <clears throat> a lot of. Uh, a lot of good shows at that point. You're ready for Vikings in the playoffs, stuff like that. But no shows next week. Right now, got a lot of good stuff coming up on today's show. Ben Gessling, uh, Vikings writer for the Star Tribune, joins me here in just a little while um, to talk about the Giants game on uh, Saturday. Another Saturday game tomorrow. Um, talk about some other you know bigger picture stuff with this team, including the uh, lingering injury to Garrett Bradbury and the dynamic that that presents this team. Um, I talk a little gopher basketball at the end of the show too. They're, they're, they're concerned right now. They, they do not seem like they have much going by way of direction right now. Beat Chicago state, a very bad team, beat them barely by three points at home <clears throat> yesterday. And that's uh, sometimes you learn more in a win than a loss. And that was a concerning win, uh, by my standards. First though, what did I miss? Got a lot, you know, Watching some of the Thursday night NFL game on uh, on Thursday, <laughs> obviously between the uh, between the Jaguars and the Jets, uh, I was struck by kind of a cautionary tale. Uh, the cautionary tale being this: wish all you want for the Vikings to at some point here, not right now. Uh, very focused on this season and what Kirk Cousins is doing very well this season which is making the big throws, the big-time throws, rescuing them in these games, seven fourth-quarter comebacks, yes, all those things. But at some point, they're going to have to make a a bigger-picture decision on Kirk Cousins. Maybe not next year when he's still under contract, when they're going to be coming off of a playoff season, but maybe by 2024, a big decision on do they want to keep paying, you know, someone who's not at a star level of quarterback, uh, you know, very good money, top 10 quarterback money. That's going to be a decision they're going to have to make at some point here. And that decision at various points has seemed very attractive to say, trade him, <clears throat> don't re-sign him, don't sign him to an extension, let this thing run out and start over at quarterback. Get yourself a high draft pick, reboot, and on and on and on. The cautionary tale was playing for the Jets on Thursday night. Zach Wilson, number two overall pick. In the 2021 draft, and I don't know if I've seen a worse quarterback play in the NFL this season. That is just a just a, a, a terrible display of quarterbacking that I saw in that game. He gets pulled in the third quarter. Um, Jets were down, I think, 16-3 to the Jaguars at that point. On the other side is Trevor Lawrence, of course, who's having a very good second year who you know obviously was the number one pick in that draft Jaguars looking very much like they're on the right track now with with Trevor Lawrence but Zach Wilson 
picked ahead of Justin Fields, picked ahead of a lot of these other quarterbacks who could have maybe helped them more. But the cautionary tale is this. Even if you pick that high, you can mess up when you are picking a quarterback because there is no such thing as a sure thing. The processing that it takes to play that position at that level is different. Yes, you can look at some quarterbacks coming out and say, they are as close to a no, you know, a no-brainer, a no-doubter, a can't miss as possible. I think Trevor Lawrence was that guy, but even he struggled last year. He's finally he's he's putting it together this year. Not to say finally, this is the second year in the league, but uh, you know, some you know, the, the after you get past those no-doubters, there's those guys that you're going to talk yourself into that you're going to fall in love with. Christian Ponder, a great example of that. I know he wasn't the number two pick, but he was a top fifteen pick in the first round of the 2011 draft. That did not end up going all that well for the Vikings. And this, if you miss there, it sets your franchise back years. Sets you back years. The Jets with competent quarterback play, which they've been getting this year when Mike White was in there, which they got even from Chris Strevler to a degree yesterday. Former Gopher who transferred to South Dakota, elevated from the practice squad. That's who replaced the number two overall pick in the 2021 draft and actually gave them a spark, had them on a scoring drive, got a little unlucky at the end of it with a dropped pass, with uh, with a couple other things that didn't go their way. They didn't end up scoring because they weren't you know, weren't going to settle for a field goal down 16-3. But Chris Drevler gave them the spark that Zach Wilson could not give them. So that's your cautionary tale. Now, the other side of it is this. A, if you hit on it, <clears throat> you've got cost control quarterback play for you know four or five years and that's a big big deal in the modern NFL that allows you to do a lot of other things with your roster so if you do it right um, whether it's in the first round whether it's in the second round whenever it is if you do it right and have a young quarterback who can play soon obviously that's a huge boon the other piece of it is this if you you know if you draft a rookie that high you probably want a capable backup and usually a capable backup I would say in this league wouldn't be that far off from the Kirk Cousins that we'd seen somewhat in previous years. Now, that's not I'm not putting Kirk Cousins down. I'm just saying he's not in that elite territory. I don't know what kind of a drop off there would be from that to, you know, to a a very, you know, high level high functioning backup. So, that's the counterpoint to the counterpoint. Long ways away from having to make anything like this decision or anything like that, but I was just struck that hey, man, beware if you if you think this is the solution at some point, beware, because this is what can happen. This can set your franchise back years like Zach Wilson is setting the Jets back years right now. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's bring in Ben Gessling now, um, Vikings writer for the Star Tribune. We talk a lot on this show and on Access Vikings. Please check that one out as well. Every Usually every Wednesday during the season, although on Tuesdays during these uh, weird Saturday game weeks, and then of course post game, Ben and Andrew Kramer uh, break down the games as well. They will be at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium again. Um, it's been a while since you had to travel. It's kind of nice. Um, they play the yeah. Giants there on uh, finally another 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 Saturday game, right? Yeah, another Saturday game. Uh, yeah, I think five of their last six at home, and then they are on the road for the final two 
There are only two cold weather games of the year in Green Bay, Chicago. But yeah, it's been nice to be home for the holidays, as they say. Nice so, that yeah, this, nice that this one's not outdoors either. Or trying to deal with airports, given yeah. the weather that we are currently dealing with. Um, I, yeah. That probably would have been okay, but it sounds like that's going to hit Chicago. And um, I, I don't think I would have had to fly anywhere with a layover. It's nice to live in an airport with a hub, but if anybody has to travel this weekend and is connecting through O'Hare, um, good luck, because it sounds like it's not going to be very good. Getting a little O'Hare trying to travel. Yeah, yeah, a little O'Harry certainly yeah, sorry is going to be a, a problem. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, uh, dad jokes. I uh, got them all. So talking about the Vikings, um, let's quickly move on from that. Let's, um, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I'm the resident um, offensive line alarmist on the Axis Vikings podcast. How worried should we be about the Garrett ba- Garrett Bradbury back injury seems like it was maybe re-aggravated with a car accident yeah. um recently and you know a guy that going into the year you wouldn't have thought would have been so important but you see the difference when he's not in there has had a better year this year i would say than he's had for a while um now what is where are we at with his health and and what what are we what can we say about his relative value to this team especially compared to what we might have thought going into the year yeah, it's interesting because last year he lost his job for part yeah. of the season. He got COVID and ended up, when he came back, first having to have them move Mason Cole, I think, over to guard. There was kind of that that stretch there where they kept Cole in as the center. And I'm trying to remember who the right guard would have been. Would it have been Ole Udo? Yeah, I, probably. I yeah, I, I think that was how they were lining up because then there was – I think it was a stretch where Darasaw was out and they had to move Udo over to left tackle. Uh, at any rate, last November, Bradbury lost his job for a stretch and, and it was, it stretched beyond when he had COVID. I mean, they basically said, no, we are, we are benching you. We think we are better lining up this way. And then they went back to putting Bradbury in eventually. And, and he talked about how humbling that was. And now he has had the kind of year where you say they need him in the middle of the lineup. I, I don't think, this is something that will keep him out for long stretches. I think some of this last week, I think it was them being cautious. I think if that had been a playoff game, he's probably playing. Yeah. Uh, the car accident doesn't help in terms of just making it tighten up. He has said there's no structural damage to it. It's just that it has been tightening up at times. And, and that, I think anybody who's had a back injury kind of knows what that feels like. That's one of those things that I think a lot of us can – can probably relate to to some degree because we've gone through those things on our own. But I'm just stretching uh, my back as you talk right now because yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, back is not a thing that you like to have discomfort in because it basically impacts every posture that you might have. Yes, yeah, it is that. And when you're playing that position, that is a tough one to have a back injury. That is the only thing I would say that is particularly concerning about it. I I I don't think it is the nature of the injury that is the huge concern. It's the fact that that position is going to tax you in your core and your back in ways that a lot of them don't. When you're starting every play from snapping the ball and then having to to jump up right away to get into a blocking stance. I mean, all of that stuff is you have to make quick movements and your back has to be able to stabilize, has to be able to extend and not lock up. So you have to feel good. And, And I think back to, I don't think it's anywhere near this, but I, I think back to John Sullivan where he had 
a couple of back surgeries, and some of those were caused or were aggravated by their weight plan back then, which involved Olympic lifts. And from what I was told, throwing the weights behind you as you were like finishing a clean, uh, rather huh. than just kind of coming up over your head, they had people, I think, throwing them back to someone else behind them that had someone catching them. So um, this, not coincidentally, was around their run of low back injuries and pectoral tears. So gotcha. um, <laughs> seems like there may have been a correlation there. But yeah, yes. I, I think back to that. And I, I don't think this is anywhere near that severe, but just remembering how concerning that was to have a center with a back issue. Um, it is, it's worth noting. It's worth keeping in mind as they get towards the playoffs. And I think it's probably worth them being cautious because you're going to need him in the playoffs. You're going to want to have him as the center kind of anchoring that whole thing, especially given the fact that Ed Ingram to his right has been probably their most, um, dubious piece of that group. Austin Schlotman, I thought, played better last week than he did uh, the first time out with the Lions, but you'd rather have Bradbury. So yeah. I think some of this becomes, let's try to let that thing calm down completely and have him ready to go when the games are are much more important here in, in three weeks. Can't they just have him snap it like, you know, when you play like pickup games, you kind of snap it like to the side. Can you do oh, that? Oh, yeah. Kind of, it's, it's like, like one handed. Yeah, like the one handed like shovel pass back to the quarterback. Yeah. Can we start that again? I I don't I don't know if there's I'd have to go look at the rule book if there's any rule specifically prohibiting that or if it's just one of those things where if you're already starting with your hips turned, it's going to be it's probably, probably that. I mean, that, probably strategically, that, probably not a good idea. No, probably not. If you're if you're turning sideways, you're already opening up half of the gap. Yeah. And you yeah. hear defensive linemen talk all the time about you know playing a man and a half. Uh, if, if you make it so that yeah. I will take the half out, yeah. you basically can occupy the gap or play. I guess if I talk about playing half a man a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, hitting the half of the guy. And if you if yeah. you turn, it's not going to help. No. So. No, I was I was joking, but uh, I, it, yeah. it, it it does it does make me wonder if you could legally snap the ball like that. I don't, I don't know why you couldn't because as long as you're be, you know, as long as you're not in front of the ball, yeah. so to speak, it should be okay, but uh, not going to happen. Obviously um, we can move on from there. Uh, interesting thing from uh, the coordinators talking on uh, earlier this week, right? You said Wes Phillips, who we were talking before we started recording Wes Phillips, kind of explaining the, uh, the origin of, uh, of the, of that touchdown where Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, basically, uh, broke some ankles in that yeah. in that Colts game. Yeah, it was an interesting kind of story to that because after the game, Jefferson's talking to the locker room. Kevin O'Connell had just gotten done at the podium and O'Connell kind of walks up to Jefferson, just kind of goofing around. And somebody, Jefferson was talking about the route and somebody asked O'Connell, does that exist? And he goes, it exists, but not normally like that. So I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. Um so Wes, but we asked Wes Phillips about it on Wednesday, and he said the origin of that was goes back to the Rams, goes back to COVID, actually, when players were not able to work out in team facilities. Team facilities were closed that entire offseason. So he said it was Jared Goff and Cooper Cup getting together to work out um, at a high school field, I think he said, and there's no video of it because NFL players are not supposed to be working out at high school fields, I okay. guess. Right. I, I think was the thing. So they have to kind of eat the evidence of it. But so basically what happened is it was supposed to be a return route where you, you start out 
and then come back in. And, you know, that's that's been another playbook. That's how they drew it up. But he said when Cup came back in, they were working out with a defender, and Cup kind of got cut off so that he couldn't get back to the spot where Goff was going to throw it to him. So he said, okay, I'll improvise. I'll turn back out again, kind of do a return return. And Goff saw it and adapted, threw him the ball. It worked. And they, they went to the, the Rams and said, hey, we were working out with this. This could be something that we put in our playbook. It may actually work for – a structured element in our offense. So the Rams said, okay, sure, we'll we'll take a look at it. One of the things Wes Phillips said is when you're working with players on the level of a Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson, you ask them when you draw things up, hey, can this work? And they're like, yeah, I can do that. So transferring yeah. it to Jefferson, he said, was not a big problem. But it came from there. It came from COVID, came from those guys having to improvise on the fly. It was a serendipitous thing where – like, okay, fine, let's put that in our offense. He said they ran it at times with the Rams and then brought it, obviously, to Minnesota. Talked, asked Jefferson about it. He said, yeah, that sounds like something that could work. And so they worked on it last week and have drilled it at various points, I think. And and they put it on the goal line last week. And he froze Stefan Gilmore pretty badly, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after the hesitation route he had for that other touchdown. He He's roasted some guys near the goal line with some uh, <laughs> reaching pretty deep into that bag of tricks. So it's been fun to watch kind of a fun story of how that one came about. Yeah. And it's supposed to get the, I mean, the, the, the upside of it is obvious. Like nobody's going to expect to essentially what's a triple move, right? Like you're making yeah. a, an extra, extra cut, um, yeah. you know, in, out and or out in and back out again. Um, but you probably need some time to make a play like that, you know, get the timing down and to have enough time to just execute it because you guys, you got a guy making three moves down on the goal line. There's probably, you know, a pass rush could get to, could get there eventually. Um, and it's probably the kind of thing where you can't do it. Um, I'm going to say you can't do it more than once, but you got to watch out now because teams, teams have seen it now. I don't know if how, yep. you know, I guess there's the element of, could you go just back to the double move now and stuff like that? If, if teams have seen it now, but um, there's a, there's an element too, of if the, if the defender guesses right, that one could go 95 the other way too. That's true. Yeah. There is that concern. If, if they jump it, you could have that, but I, I suppose it's one of those things where if you have a quarterback and a receiver that have this much time together now, I mean, Jefferson has caught just about every NFL pass in his career from Kirk Cousins, with the exception of probably a couple from Sean Mannion last year at Lambeau field. Um, I, I don't think it would be more than two or three that have been from anybody other than Kirk Cousins. So it's getting to the point now where they've got a fair amount of time together. And that chemistry that gets built up of being able to look at each other and say, hey, let's switch it to this. They're going to sit on this double move. Let's throw in the triple. Or we've shown this recently. Let's go back to the double if they're leaning on it. Or let's read leverage and, and read this out and be able to adjust on the fly. That is the benefit of having stability at, at that spot. I mean, we've seen it for years with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, where it's a look, it's maybe just a, I'm reading this this way. I've worked with this guy enough to know that he's reading it the same way. We adjust without having to look at each other. I mean, some of those things that come just from time together can be a real advantage in your offense. And it's not necessarily something you can always plan around or at least kind of bake into your playbook, but you leave space for those adjustments and it can be something that is hard to defend because there's really no way to set up for it. It's just two guys reading out a play and being able to improvise and, 
and have the, the chemistry to work with each other and be in the right spot. Plenty to still work on um, Saturday against the Giants. Maybe we can finish up just talking a little bit about that game. I mean, what gets kind of lost in the shuffle of an amazing comeback like what they had against the Colts is the first half is, you know, the recency bias becomes the second half, not the first half. And you just remember the comeback and everything you yeah. did. They were down 33 nothing at home to a bad team with everything, everything to play for. Um, this is still a team with plenty of flaws, plenty to sort out plenty to think about down the stretch as they kind of mull the options of, you know, trying to get as many home games as possible while resting guys or preserving health, you know, trying to maintain that, you know, one game edge over San Francisco. You can pretty much imagine that the one seed is not in play anymore. As long as Philadelphia wins one more game this year, they're going to lock that up. But, uh, you know, what do you, how do you, how do you sense they're going into this giants game kind of off of that emotional high to a degree, but also, with knowing that that game was was going sideways for for 30 minutes and in kind of the worst possible way yeah it's an interesting question because it's one i've wondered about too the last time they came off of an emotional win like that it was in buffalo and it's i to me that's a different experience because you go in there you beat one of the better teams in the nfl in their building with that type of a comeback you know o'connell said after the game to the players we've earned the final stamp in proving that we're one of the best teams in the league I don't think you can come away from this one saying the same thing. I mean, the comeback certainly is historic. It speaks to their ability to, to put things back together and, and to keep playing for each other. But there's also, I would think, a feeling of relief of we screwed that up just about every way you possibly can. And we came away with a victory. That shouldn't be one where you're saying we have shown that we belong, that we are a contender. I mean, it doesn't come with that same type of, of street cred, I guess. Um, <laughs> it It's a different type of win. It is an emotional investment to win that way, however. So you, I have wondered this week how they're going to process that because I thought they came out flat against the Cowboys and a number of players admitted that in so many words that winning that game against the Bills in the way that they did took something out of them and they just weren't able to come back against the Cowboys the next week. I wonder if they've learned from that. I wonder if they've processed this differently. I, I think that's certainly something to watch in terms of how they start on Saturday, both because of how the Cowboys game went and because you saw last week how much trouble you can get in if you get off to a slow start. So I think that's going to be an important thing to watch. I think the Bradbury piece of this, Austin Schultman probably starting, is interesting because Dexter Lawrence, the Giants' nose tackle, is awfully good. You have Andre Patterson over there, former Vikings co-defensive coordinator, as their D-line coach. And he has been certainly giving everybody he can insight into how to defend this team, how to, how to work against them. He's certainly been doing it with the Giants offense as well. Mike Kafka, their offensive coordinator, who actually spent a training camp with the Vikings when Andre Patterson was on the staff, has said this week, yeah, Andre's been very helpful. So Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator, kind of a, a heavy blitzer typically, but that group is a very veteran defensive staff. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Vikings process all of that, knowing that Patterson has some scouting reports on some of their offensive linemen and, and may have a few things to tell them about how to, how to attack. So I think that's going to be a big piece of this. And, and just what are they able to do against a team that they may see again in three weeks? It's very possible. This is a preview of round one of the playoffs, especially if the Vikings end up as a three seed. So yeah, lots to keep an eye on in this one. 
I think it's uh, I think it's one they should win. But yeah, it's um, you know kind of the, these two teams that everybody says are they for real or not? And um, Saturday may give us a little bit better answer to that question for at least one of them. Yeah, and strangely enough, I mean the Vikings potentially if they lose this game that would make it a rematch all the more likely. And that's yes. you know, then, then then it's not a scenario you want because then it means then it means you lost them just a few weeks before you'd have to play them again. And you know, they have different situations, different uh scenarios can play out, a lot of things to happen over the last three weeks. And you know, other games of interest too. I would think the San Francisco Washington games one to watch too, with San Francisco just one game behind. And yep. Washington, frankly, another team they could see in the playoffs as well. And that how they how they fare against San Francisco will tell a lot of the story of what ends up happening at the end of the year too. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think those would be the two you kind of watch and, and keeping an eye on what the lions do, I guess is yeah. that that's a, a very distinct possibility that the lions are here round one. And I would not think the lions would be scared to come in here. I mean, it's most of the scenarios of who they play in the first round are going to be a rematch with somebody they played already this year. The Seahawks would kind of be the only one that won't be in that group, but yeah, lots of possibilities that they're seeing somebody for the second time, possibly for the second time in, in a matter of weeks, if it's the Lions or the Giants especially, or the Packers, I suppose. I, I don't yeah. think the Packers get in, but um, that would be another one where it's a team you've seen a lot and seen recently. So, yeah, lots to keep an eye on this weekend as um, this playoff field gets sorted out a little more. And then I think Dallas-Philly is, is the afternoon game on Saturday. So Vikings are at noon, and then Cowboys-Eagles, I think, is the, the 325 game that kept – mercifully kept us from uh, working the 325 game on Christmas Eve. So yes. thanks for that NFL for having that game in there and keeping the uh, number two seed in the NFC against a New York team, which would have been another juicy late afternoon matchup uh, that kept it a new. So that was, uh, we, we appreciate that. Well, they're always thinking of you guys, I'm sure. Um, regardless, regardless of when it was, you guys will be there covering everything on Christmas Eve. Follow Ben's coverage, all of our colleagues as well, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. And we'll catch you in a couple weeks. No show next week, but we'll be back at it after talking about the uh, Green Bay game as we get down to the playoffs. And after talking to Ben, of course, I went online, started playing around with playoff scenarios. This team wins here. This team wins there. What what are the what are the best and worst case scenarios for the Vikings? So here's my here are kind of my nightmare scenarios for the Vikings. And here's you know here's 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 where I'd start. Number one, let's say they lose to the Giants on Saturday. That in and of itself is not a nightmare. But then suddenly you're starting to put yourself into a territory where if San Francisco wins out, the Vikings are going to be the three seed, not the two seed. Not really the end of the world, you would think, but. Follow me here for a little bit. If the Giants win this game and Dallas loses to Philadelphia this weekend, which is certainly possible, Philadelphia still has something to play for. If they win this game, they wrap up a home field advantage throughout the, the entirety of the NFC playoffs. If if that happens, the Giants are only half a game behind Dallas then in, in the standings. And then the Giants have two home games to finish off the year. No, I'm sorry, they have a home game and a road game. But follow me on this one. The home game, very winnable against the Colts. We saw we saw the Vikings beat the Colts. The road game at Philadelphia sounds difficult, right? Yes, except Philadelphia won't have anything to play for at that point. Philadelphia probably resting a whole bunch of their starters. Not as daunting a game. Cowboys, on the other hand, still have to go at Tennessee at Washington after they play Philly to end the season. Let's say ten, let's see the Cowboys lose one of those games while the Giants win both of those games. Dallas 
suddenly becomes the sixth seed. And in that scenario, if the Vikings still maintain that three seed after losing to the Giants, it would be Vikings-Cowboys in the first round of the playoffs, three versus six, the team they lost to 40-3 to already this season. So that's my nightmare scenario number one. The Vikings fall to the three seed, the Cowboys slip to the six, and that's your first round matchup. Nightmare scenario number two, Vikings stay at the two, but one of these teams nipping at the heels in the, uh, in the NFC playoff race, either the Lions or the Packers, um, comes up and catches that seven seed, and that's who they have to play in the first round. Now, if your doomsday scenario is playing the Packers, there is a little bit of good news in that, in that, uh, it's going to be tough for the Vikings to play the Packers in the first round uh, if the Packers are going to make the playoffs because the Packers are going to have to win out probably, and that's going to mean they're going to beat the Vikings in there because they play next weekend, and that would mean the Vikings would be in the territory then where the 49ers could catch them. That would put the Vikings at the three seed playing the six, and the Packers probably will not be the six. They'd probably be the seven, so that would put the Vikings against probably the Giants in that scenario. Giants, or like I said, or the Cowboys. Um, so they probably wouldn't play the Packers. Now, the Lions are definitely in the mix there as the seven seed that the Vikings could play as the two seed. And that's a team that, you know, on the surface, you say, well, it's just the Lions. Hey, the Lions are hot. They're six and one since a one and six start. They've played the Vikings tough twice this year, should have beaten them at U.S. Bank Stadium did beat them at Ford Field rather convincingly. So that's not a team you necessarily want to see. You don't want to play one of those hot teams on the rise in the first round. Now, the dream scenario is this. Vikings maintain that two seed and get to play one of those teams that's, you know, good. Obviously, all playoff teams have capabilities, but gets to play one of those teams that maybe is a little bit more middling, is a little bit more kind of, you know, up and down, up and down team, like maybe the Giants again, maybe a team like... um like the Commanders, maybe a team like the Seahawks, in that first round. And then the dream scenario from there is that they catch an upset somewhere in the first round and that San Francisco loses right away so they don't have to play San Francisco in that division round because San Francisco is going to be a tough out. So dream scenario for the Vikings, I would say, is either the the, uh, Commanders or the Seahawks in the first round and then hope for an upset or at least hope that you're still the two-seed so you get that second game at home and uh, see where you can go from there. Let's finish with the cooler. Like I said at the beginning, I've got concerns about Gopher men's basketball. They win 58-55 over Chicago State on Thursday. Not a great showing for uh, for Ben Johnson's team. Um, again, a team that's got a lot of young players still trying to find their identity. I get it. Give them some time. That does not bode well for the Big Ten. If they're that close against uh, against a team like Chicago State, which was you know, it was just three and twelve. That does not bode well. I do not see a lot of Big Ten wins on their horizon unless this team improves dramatically over the course of the season. Another postscript to this: Gophers women's basketball team beats uh, beats Eastern Illinois fifty nine forty eight. Lindsey Whalen out sick, not coaching that game. Um, but uh, they they end up getting the win anyway. Get well soon, Lindsay. Hope uh, hope everything is okay there, and that she's back coaching very soon. And that'll do it for me here today. Like I said, last show before a little break here, taking the week off next week. Hope you guys enjoy your winter break as well. Back at it again on January second, two thousand and twenty-three. Until then, thank you so much for listening. I'm Michael Rand, and we'll talk to you later.